Welcome to the Taos Mountain Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Angelo McCourse. I'm happy to be bringing you Nate Larson, a local Taosanio from Talpa, who's been an OG in the hip-hop scene here in the Taos community. And he's a MC, a producer. He also promotes big shows that we'll be telling you about, like the Halloween show coming up, uh, the Slap Frost tour that's coming to the Taos Mesa Brewery with headliners such as Zion I, um, Casual from Hieroglyphics Crew, and uh, Z-Man, and a, a whole slew of other uh, local talent. Um, he's got a passion for hip-hop, and ever since his younger days of starting with uh, using a PlayStation to make beats with his neighbor and rapping, beating on the tables before even that kind of stuff came out. He's always been at it, and over two decades now of music, he's got a huge discography, and now he's looking to make that jump to be able to live off of the art, which is a hard thing to do coming from a small town where there isn't a scene, so it's an awesome thing to have somebody from Taos creating a scene and make paving the way for anybody else who wants to pursue their dreams in the hip-hop world. So today we got Nate Larson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Task Mountain Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Angelo McCourse. This evening I'm sitting in a awesome Earthship, which is the home of Nate Larson's studio. And I'm here with him, just about to hear about his music, what he does on the daily, and all the upcoming events that we got going on in the next few weeks. What's up, Nate man? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. How are you? <laughs> Dude, it's windy out there, man. It's so windy out there, man. I Just from the car to your front door, I got frozen. It's frigid wind pierces all the layers, man. But you're nice and snug in this uh, earth ship, dude. I'm stoked about that. I was appreciating all the uh, yeah, plant really life. Cool place. Plenty of solar gain, keeping everything warm. But yeah, man, I'm just here. I'm excited, dude. I was glad I caught you uh, at the farmer's market the other day uh, for the follow-up when I first asked you to be on the podcast, man. So yeah, why don't you just... Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you make music. Why don't you just jump right into it and tell us your style, how long you've been at it? Um, I'm from Taos, New Mexico. I'm 34. I started rapping when I was young, like 9 or 10. What got me into it really was like break dancing and graffiti. Like I was hardcore like into that stuff, and it just came. My uh, DJ who is my neighbor, who I met when I was probably around 13 or 14, Hayes, um, also known as JD Dyslexic. He, uh, we just got together and we'd, we'd just fool around, you know, teenagers just doing whatever. Like mid-high school, I got involved with a band Adrenaline, which Hayes knew the guys, but I didn't know the guys, and they... They hit me up and asked me if I wanted to sing, and I was like, hell yeah, I want to be in a band, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, that happened. And uh, shortly after high school, 
we all went to Minneapolis because my bass player Jordan Maselli and guitarist Mike Bearden wanted to go to McNally Smith College of Music and get their bachelors and the instruments they were playing. So we all moved out there and played a lot of shows, got into it heavy with the hip hop scene because Jordan was like a big head. I was a big head and Hayes was. So that's kind of where our band was playing, even though we were playing like soul and funk in hip hop hip hop was kind of like our niche out there so we played shows around there with like the doom tree guys and rhyme sayers and carnage executioner and idea and those guys like they uh they're cool like we'll get to it on the show coming up but carnage will be down here pretty soon um and then after we were in Minneapolis for probably like five, six, seven years, we moved to Portland, Oregon. And there we played a bunch of shows in the hip-hop scene as well. And with Josh Martinez and the Chicharones and Skull, And that's where we met Quell and Maker and a lot of artists because Josh, I lived with Josh for a couple of years, Josh Martinez and Abaddon. And... Jordan, my bass player, was actually interning for Camo Bear, which was Josh Martinez's label. So, so like, while I was living with there, anyone touring through who was on that label or playing tours with anyone on that label, they were staying at our house. It was cool because I got to network with all these dudes, and I was always a big hip-hop head. So, And sh shortly after that, we were there for, like, four or five years, and then we split up, and I stayed there for a while, bounced around the Northwest playing shows and stuff. <clears throat> and then I came back to New Mexico and released Tortellini Pillow, which was in Taos. And that was that was a pretty cool show because it was the first time I had been back in town for a long time. And it was my first solo album out since, since before the band had started because I kind of put it to the side and wasn't really releasing that material. But that restarted the hip-hop phase for me and then I moved back to Oregon for a while for probably just a few months and I just I wanted to get back home near my family and stuff so I moved back to Taos about five years ago and since then I've been putting on shows out here nice yeah that's a good little quick uh, rundown about the history I like uh, the humble beginnings you know with your neighbor making a group and then uh, what were you guys working with at that time um just my DJ's decks and a cheap mic with the fucking on and off switch and <laughs> just some ghetto stuff. We were, we were recording on a karaoke machine. So we'd make <laughs> we, my homie Sneaky. I don't know if you remember Sneaky. But um, he would make beats and we'd, I'd make them too, but he was better at it back then. <laughs> And we'd do it on his PlayStation on that MTV Music Generator. We'd make beats on that. And then we'd record them on the cassette tape on the karaoke machine. And then play that beat and record vocals on the second tape on the karaoke machine with the cheap mic. So that's how we were recording back then. Like, we didn't even have a four track. We were just like, it was crazy. We just used what we had. And that was like, that was the good point. Like, that was before we were like banging on shit to make beats on microphones and stuff. So it that was like the beginning of like technology and us being able to have it. So that was cool. 
I like that. I like that. I just had to, I thought I'd bring that up because it's true. Back when you started making music, there wasn't all this uh, affordable technology. Those stuff were like professional instruments that are in studios and stuff like that. Yeah, I, had a, I had an old piano. That was my dad's piano. And my mom still has it in her house. And man, I'd really want to like refurbish it and tune it up and stuff, but I just don't have any space for it in here. So... Once I make space, which I will, <laughs> I'll try and get that piano over here. I love that thing. I'm sure along the way there's a lot of old pieces of equipment and a lot of instruments and things that are full of sentimental value you'll never get oh, rid yeah, of. For sure, for <laughs> sure. So yeah, it's, all right. So and now talking, uh, bringing it back to now, man, let's uh, hear about some of these shows that are coming up because that's uh, what I really want to get out there. I'm sure we'll be saying it a few times throughout this whole podcast, but uh, what's happening? I know there's a huge show coming up on Halloween. Yeah, um, I booked Carnage the Executioner, who's my homie from Minneapolis, probably about like six months ago. And I was just going to put it on a Halloween show because it was Halloween night, of course. But uh, so I booked a bunch of locals, like really good artists that I thought have a good pull here in Taos and the Northwest in general. And about two months ago, I got hit up by this company that wanted to bring the Slap Frost tour. And they've been to Taos before, so I know the guy actually running the Slap Frost. But it was someone from this other production company hit me up and after about a week and a half trying to see if we get get it to merge, they kind of backed out. And that was the only show they were trying to get for Slap Frost. So I hit up True Justice, who's the guy who runs Slap Frost. And I had worked with him before in the past here and was like, let's do this. Like, I still want to make it work. Like, I'll do this. Like, I don't need profit. If I break even, that's cool. Like, because I'm just trying to bring the scene to Taos. Nice. So that's... That's where I was able to do it and that company wasn't because they got to pay a bunch of people to do advertising and promotion and all that. So I've just kind of done all that on my own with the help of Taos Mesa, of course, and my girl has helped in a few of the aspects as well, which is cool because she manages down at the tap room. But yeah, the show is going to be Carnage. So that tour mixed with the Slap Frost and this year the Slap Frost is Zion I casual of the legendary group hieroglyphics it's z-man vocab slick dj true justice these guys are all like bay area artists and it'll be me and flow fader um who's dj'd for j live for many years and uh who else we got potency on the bill and soy the organic hispanic it's his first time back in taos for a few years are now like so it's kind of a homecoming for him and then we got some openers that are coming with the tours too uh one is coming with carnage's king mammoth and the guys coming with slap frost is uh dt the artist and save one so there's it's it's a long list of dudes there's like god how many close to 12 or 13 artists on this bill it's gonna be awesome uh it's on halloween <clears throat> night it's all ages uh pre-sale tickets are 15 dollars. you can get them at taos mesa brewing mothership or you could get them at vagrant heart gallery or you can go online and find the link on taos mesa's site or on facebook on the event page um yeah 
Is this your biggest show uh, so far that you're lining up, or uh, is it? Did it just fall together and end up being pretty huge without you knowing it? I kind of knew it was going to be big once they asked to merge, and I knew. Well, at first, Dan hit me up, and I thought it was just Zion I. So I was like, "Oh, we could throw Zion I on the bill easy." So I like kind of got into it, and then I realized I finally learned that it was the Slap Frost tour which is like a bunch of dudes. And I know all these dudes we've met and played shows here before, which is cool. Shout out to True Justice. Like that guy's becoming part of the hip hop scene in Taos just because they come through so often and bring different artists. He's a great network. But yeah, I knew I knew it was going to be a big show and it was going to be a lot and it has been a lot. It's been very time consuming. And but I love I love hip hop. So, of course, I'm going to do it like yeah, I love that, man. Definitely, I am, uh, listen to Zion I plenty, and you know what's funny is back when I was uh, in high school, I got turned on to a burnt copy of a, a Z-Man album, and so Pretty funny, nice. dude. He's got, like, some of the funniest lyrics and being yeah, a kid and hearing, him some st- hearing some of his stuff and just being like, you know, Z-Man, extra, extra. All those guys are great performers. They're, like, live shows. They got st- great stage presence, everything. They're all on point. That's pretty fun. And so what else is down the pipes in the near future? Are you, um, do you have a promoter like uh, a company or do you just do it solo? No, I just do it by myself. Like I'm an artist. I don't really consider myself a promoter, but like when I was young growing up in Taos, there wasn't anything to do. Like we'd go throw rocks at shit. Like that's pretty much it. (laughs) <laughs> so like that that's one of the problems with Taos and like the youth getting into drugs and alcohol so heavy they don't have outlets like this where they can go have a good time and like without all that drama you know what I mean connected so that's kind of the reason I like bringing it to Taos because when I'm in cities I'm not booking shows I'll just I'll jump on shows wherever someone hits me up or whatever if I have a release party I'll throw a release party but other than that, like, I don't book shows when I'm in cities. I do it in Taos because there's hardly anybody here doing it. Me, Potency, and Harlan Tafoya are probably the three biggest contributors to, like, that golden era boom-bap hip-hop scene in Taos that you're, that is starting to bring big, big artists. Like, so, and they're getting more interested in Taos, too. Like, we're getting hit up more and more by people. So it's really cool. Yeah, shout out to Taos Mesa Brewery for providing a venue like that with the stage indoor and outdoor. Um, what other, what are some other good venues that are have potential for shows? Um, I don't know the. Uh, what about Old Martinez Hall? Do you think Old that- Martinez? I uh, I feel like it has potential as long as we had the right artists in there. That's kind of what it is for Taos. Like people get used to local, especially. In the hip-hop scene, they get used to the artists, and they, like, dwindle. And then there's a big show, and then it and then it kind of dwindles off that. So, like, as long as we keep the big shows alive, we can continue to play shows constantly and keep the crowd going. And, like, in the fast, past five years that I've been here, it's gone from 10 to 15 people at a show to, like, 250 to 400. So that's it's, – it's getting bigger here. It's pretty cool. A lot of times, like growing up, probably all of us, probably all of us, I can't speak for like potency and all of them, but I'm sure they feel the same way that when we were coming up, there was no scene. So it was like 
fuck, there's no scene here. But, like, now when we're older, like, you come to the realization that, like, you get to be, like, the OGs of that scene. You know what I mean? You get to be the guys who started it there, and that's really cool. Like, that's one thing that drives me anyway. I don't know. I'm sure that it drives fate the same way. You know what I mean? And he's the one doing a lot of the booking and managing for Potency, probably 95% of it, I would say. Definitely the backbone, I could say. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really cool to call that because you're right. Back then, um, I was born in 88. And so, you know, just not too much difference there. And exactly here in Taos, there was nothing, man, throwing rocks, going in the mountains, just no kind of scenes. The mountains were cool. The mountains were cool. No, no scenes though. No fresh. No, nothing you seen on MTV. Nothing you heard of in your CDs. You know, we were yeah. I, all of us were on that Gangstar, and you know, just like yeah, the Wu Tang and like you it's know crazy Biggie that and all that. That made stuff. it here when we were teenagers. I'm surprised that that hip hop was even like, here when we were teenagers. I think K Paso was like the main reason why we had like um some. That was the only place I knew that we could get those kind of CDs when I was a kid. Because before that, yeah. man, there was like that's definitely when it started too is like when we were teenagers there was no hip-hop here before that like i feel like me and hayes were like the first people who ever started break dancing in taos like it was it was really weird and like it was cool because like i was into rap because my brother was into rap and when i met hayes like he he was a break dancer and i was like oh man i want to do that so i started doing that too and we both got into graffiti too just because we got into hip-hop it was like that's all we did. Like, I remember we used to just beatbox and freestyle back and forth for like four or five hours straight. Just like crazy, man. Like, that was like the peak of the youth. It was crazy, man. <clears throat> and that's uh, relatable. I guarantee there's so many people and within our the range, you know, from like 85 to like, you know let's just say 90 or whatever at that that range right there those five years there's going to be a lot of people who have that same upbringing or they're getting turned on to hip-hop rap everybody's getting down you know then like i remember when i was a kid and people started to be able to burn cds then that's when it started to go like wildfire when computers became a thing and everybody had one i know i'm sounding old and i'm not even that old but i remember when i was in high school that's when i got my first computer like at home that was able to like burn cds and read dvds and like you know all that cool stuff that had speakers you can play music and all that playing ping pong on an old ass you know like dude it's crazy for sure yeah technology has made leaps and bounds and um I like the way that you said that, you know, there's there are a group of people like yourself and Hayes and others that were the true OGs of like starting things because nobody was here doing it. There wasn't the Internet, you know, there wasn't like there wasn't no video cameras here documenting any of that stuff. Now it's all just, you know, we're doing it now because you can call it. I wish I wish I wish potency was older. That way they would have been doing that with me before I had left because they weren't formed yet when I had left house and I only knew life. He was the only one of them that I knew. And I knew Jimmy Lujan, who was a producer who I know had a lot to do with fate, taking mm-hmm. it up and becoming a big producer. Mm-hmm. So RIP. like those were, those were the two dudes I knew from high school who did hip hop, like in, in their like crew. 
So when I came back, like life introduced me to all those dudes and and we just hit it off. Like we started hit playing shows and doing tours and recording together. We did that album together, Robo Crayola. Uh there's just a lot. Like we've definitely formed a brotherhood between us and building the scene here and trying to go out there and put Taos on the map for sure. I like that uh, you're throwing out potency, um, giving them shout outs for this stuff because they're uh, from Taos Pueblo and that's pretty cool because they're all indigenous group, all those guys. So that's really awesome how there's like a brotherhood forming, like you said, between all the cultures through hip hop. That's the bond and the glue that yeah. brings it all together. That is cool. And so I think that's really awesome how, you know, I can see that through your talking about them and. That, who else in house, you know, at the time was getting down? And also, who else now from our small Man. town of Taos have you seen I getting it and going out I there? Don't, I don't really see do you, a lot of... Do you know John? Do you know John Chavara and, like, um, that whole Beat Brigade crew? No, um, I don't. They're younger, they're younger than me, and um, they're out there doing their thing and... Um, yeah, one of their members passed away, I think it was last year or something like that. And then now John is um, touring with Little Zan on the Breakout Tour. Huh. And they're, like, going around the world. So it's cool to, like, just see how Taos is breeding oh, you know, yeah, they, hometown talent. They, now they, that There's a lot of dudes. There's been a good foundation. Like, when I was coming up, it was Tabula Rasa was, like, killing mm-hmm. the scene for mm-hmm. the youngsters. And, like, my band got got to be like the dudes who opened for them all the time because we were like the younger generation of that you know what i mean rock hip-hop shit going down in taos and it was good like people liked it so those guys definitely and matt kirk aka ck jones he's Mm -hmm. still doing it hard Mm -hmm. like he's touring internationally that's cool like i respect that dude's hustle like a motherfucker and there's a lot of dudes from taos max gomez man he's a great singer songwriter like that's that's a whole other thing, like a whole other scene. But like, Taos really produces amazing artists. It's crazy. There's this dude from the Northwest named uh, Raphael Vigilantics, and he's actually from Taos originally. And I met him out there through my friend Sleep, who's from New Mexico. He's from Farmington, and it, it's just weird how many people like Taos spits out. And they're like good artists. Yeah, Taos is definitely um, keeping them coming. So that's pretty awesome. And what do you think the music scene is going, man? This is an interesting question. I I know it's just like a loaded one. I'm I, jumping it right I, on. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was actually having this discussion the other night with my girlfriend, and it and it I feel like we're everything like climbs and then it falls. You know what I mean? Slowly. Well, it can drop the fuck off, but sometimes it dwindles down. <laughs> and like with, and I feel like that's kind of how scenes are in popularity. Like, I feel Taos is on the up climb, and it's like the good time to be putting on shows because you can break even. And we're starting getting to the point where we're going to be able to make money. And then it's going to be like, we're going to be able to make a lot of money off of promoting and doing these shows and bringing other big artists. And then it's going to get big and more people are going to get used to it. So it's just going to kind of like flatten out. But I think right now we're on an uprising. Like it's the perfect time to be trying to be bringing in bigger artists. Like other genres have been doing it for the past few years now in Taos. 
And before, before like, like when I first moved back, there really wasn't that big of a music scene. Like in the past few years, the amount of huge artists that their demographic is like the younger generations, like that Meow Wolf thing. What was that called? The Vortex. Vortex. Like all those, like we weren't getting stuff. We weren't getting festival artists like in groups, you know what I mean? Playing out here, big shows. And now like hip hop's like struggling behind because it's like the broke scene, you know what I mean? We're all pulling out of pockets. I'm going to start looking into grants and stuff. And that was actually something I was going to ask you about if you knew anything about that. But um, yeah, I'm going to try try and start pulling grants. And I'm thinking I might do a really big festival in a couple summers from now with a, with like a nice big list of great hip-hop artists. That way it's pulling everyone in the Southwest, not just the people here because it's someone touring through. It's going to be like all these artists are going to come here and it's going to be, I want to try and start something big for the Southwest hip-hop-wise. Yeah, so that way you can get up a stage built in Kit Carson Park and have a yeah, you know huge exactly. venue like there that. There you go. Yeah, I mean they have that amphitheater there, and they do like stuff like regeneration festivals and all this and that. And I think that you know the hip hop scene is a great thing that brings people together, builds community, you know, strengthens bonds between people. And um, what I think for grant money, if you're looking to make grants, honestly, in my honest opinion is that. From being in the nonprofit field, <clears throat> it's good to uh, demonstrate the value of uh, what the music brings. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, about building community and keeping kids away from alcohol and off of drugs. And, you know, no matter oh, if yeah. you, you no matter if that's what the music is that you're talking about, it's like when people are doing those things, you know, like they don't necessarily always have to be indulging in that more than that in a place like Taos where we come from where there's nothing to do all people need is a space to do something that will keep them productive and out of trouble like what we were talking yeah, about you sure. know it's not about sure. not trying to control people but you're just definitely trying to give people a space to do something productive with their creative outlets you yeah. know and I think that if you can angle that towards community wellness um, there's a lot of great organizations that can help you out you know i can drop a few names like the no to be gay foundation is always trying to come up with community wellness programs to promote healthy living and lifestyle and <clears throat> i think productivity and work and like career paths are legitimate things because if you can leverage social media and that aspect when you're applying for your a grant that promotes community wellness, you're building skill sets and new abilities that can then oh, be yeah. taught to everybody for, for sure. like video, um, taking vi video blogs and also, you know, this type of stuff like podcasting, yeah. editing, you know, even having the tools and technology. Grants can provide all the tools, technology. There just has to be some either an educational component or a community wellness component or even a health component like where it's a studio and a kitchen like you make dinner and healthy food for people and families and you just like but there's a studio on the other side where like the families get together and everyone makes food and then the artists and kids and whoever yeah, gets to sense. watch the process go down because then it's educational community wellness through social bringing it together and then having the health component so yeah. you, it's like for as sure. far as when you think of when you can say getting grants I think 
that's just my quick two cents about it in a real that way. That makes complete sense, yeah. And uh, But that's the whole cool thing, man, is like once you, the seed is planted by a person knowing what it takes to get a grant, like just what you have to talk about, because all grants are, are philanthropists that want to give people with a good story and cause money. And all you got to do is just let them know of your cause by telling them a good story and um, make sure it includes educational components, community well-being components, and uh, health components. And if it has those three things, you got like a trifecta, dude, and you can nice. ask for whatever amount of money to build a structure and land and people to run it and nice. whatever. See, that's, that's good information in English. Like, cause <clears throat> I've, I've, I've checked into them and stuff, and I'm just like, right away, I'm just like, ugh. And I'm just like onto onto something else. Like I can't deal with this right now. But and that that alone is really good information be, on. Because like imagine this: what if you wrote to like who's your favorite like wealthiest artist that you jam to all the time? You know what I mean? I guarantee you, you can write a great proposal to any one of these guys that can be like, "Yo, we need a studio kitchen in Taos, New Mexico, to feed families." And while our families are getting fed, we can be going and making our music and doing our thing so we can continue to feed our families and whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. do something dope like that. And, like, if it's from the OGs of the community, I think that has a lot of weight. And, like, the whole deal is, is you make sure to, like, find, you know, your target. Like, find somebody who's into that kind of thing, right. who does some sort of ph philanthropy, and then see what they like to promote and see what they like to do and like it's not like a copy and paste thing where you make one proposal and you send it out to everybody you never do that you make sure to find out who your your target your is. target is yeah. and like it's, a lot of the times a lot of these you know hip-hop artists they do give back to the community because they came oh, from yeah, sure. families that had to work all the time and never saw their kids so their kids were out running around doing whatever they wanted and that's why they had all these things that to rap about and exactly. talk about you know and so they always turn around and give back make sure they're parents are taking care of the communities are taking care of i know some of the ones that are more famous dude they'll definitely drop something and i would say there's money everywhere you just gotta know where to look and i think that would be a good idea yeah someone who's doing a lot of that stuff is vagrant heart actually they have a lot of a lot of different dates and like stuff on their calendar for different just different stuff like the last thing i went there was art that it was based up no it wasn't oh. the car art show it okay. was it was artists who make their art with fire and they were mm. doing like silver casting and blowing glass and there was a fashion show there as well and i think later that night they were doing fire spinning but they have a bunch of events there and like i really think that that's a really cool outlet for the youth because they have graffiti walls in the alleyway like if you take your paint there you can go paint there you just got to go in and tell them like i'm gonna be painting out back and obviously don't cover something you can't burn, otherwise someone's just going to cover your piece. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm getting JD, scripture, um, you know, I'm getting scripture and, you know, JISC and Auras and all the boys who I've been going and seeing over there, they're going to be on the podcast soon enough. But nice. most definitely scripture to focus on, you know, the efforts of... Uh, the foundational efforts and of everybody and yeah those that. guys those guys will be doing live painting at the halloween show actually all three of them uh scripture auras and just 27 will all be there and i'm trying to get them to do one big collab together i don't know how they're gonna approach it but we'll see what happens it's gonna be dope they'll be painting the whole time people are performing so 
Man, they always deliver. I can't wait to get them on the show and just like talk to them too and hear what they want. Cause I, I know, man, they're all about this. I like how it's intertwining the music with the graffiti art. Um, yeah, I feel like because a lot it's of... the hip hop scene. You know, it's like how they're doing fashion shows, and I know that they'll be incorporating some break dancing in there when they get some people. You know, yeah, so. I, I, I was hoping to kind of see if they would do that because there's this company. I'm not sure if they're in Albuquerque or Santa Fe called the Dancing Turtle. And they're like a breakdancing teaching school, I think. But they came down and they did a breakdancing sh- competition at Fahrenheit when the gallery was still across from Michael's Kitchen. And that was really cool to see the youth participating in that. I mean, I wish I could have, but I can't do that no more. <laughs> <laughs> I broke from breaking. So I'm a broke dancer now. <laughs> oh man that's hilarious i know you could still do a windmill if you really wanted to yeah but every time i do i end up waking up the next morning in pain when you're a lot younger you got those rubber joints oh yeah all that skating and bmxing and snowboarding so yeah let's uh <laughs> let, tell me now that you know you've let us know about the show a little bit about your roots uh where you come from tell me more about your music and Tell me all about, you know, your discography. I grew up in Talpa, which is just right south of Taos. And uh, it's pretty ghetto there, especially when I was growing up. It's kind of got gentrified pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like, it was pretty sketch to walk alone around there when I was a little kid, especially because I was half white. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I grew up there. Grew up in the mountains and did a lot of like, I don't know, when we were young, we did a lot of fishing and hunting rabbit and grouse and stuff like that. Yeah, just walking along those roads, even as a teenager, you know, we when we were hip hopping, we we're just walking up and down those dirt roads, beatboxing and rapping, you know, and uh, I don't know, my mom's Hispanic, uh, my dad's Caucasian, he's from michigan originally and my mom's from taos yeah so like i know you and your neighbor you started doing music and um how did you decide on like a mc name and like uh, uh well how I to just, name your albums and stuff because you said never, tortellini pillow i never really had an mc name you know i was just rapping all the time i don't think i ever had an mc name i had a bunch of handles for graffiti but I wouldn't really put a lot of them out there now because it was so long ago and I was doing a lot of illegal writing. (laughs) But I never really had an MC name. And the band took off really before my hip-hop music ever could. Mm. So it was kind of just adrenaline. And then later on we had to change it to Quixotic, which was due to copyright issues with adrenaline that we couldn't get it because obviously it's a cliche name thank god we didn't keep it (laughs) but yeah it was quixotic actually for many years and then we split up but um i was so well known from the band that i just kept my normal name like it was more than a name i had and i thought about it a few times getting an alias or something just something more easy to remember you know what i mean but i it just grew with me and i just kept it you know and that's that's where that comes from <laughs> welcome here <in> mc <laughs> i think i think i've pretty <laughs> so much summed that up yeah that's true being from a small town yeah well i mean i definitely 
grew up poor. My mom was a teacher and she was raising my brother and sister who are my half brother and sister. They have a different dad. And like that definitely added to the passion behind like writing, Mm. especially in hip hop, because like there's a lot of writing about struggle or at least for me there is or it's not so much anymore. I I can still definitely write about it because I still experience, you know, living to work or whatever. But, like, I feel like that struggle brought, like, true passion like it does with a lot of artists. And, you know, you notice a lot of artists once they, like, get big and commercialized and they're comfortable, their music started just kind of is blah. It doesn't talk to you as much, like... There's a lot of artists that I look up to like crazy where their music's done that, and I don't really like bump their new stuff. You know, I bump all their old stuff. It's a it's a trip, mm-hmm. but I feel like the reason a lot of amazing artists are amazing is because they struggled so hard to do what they love, like through passion. So it's that's why I'm a rapper. <laughs> nice. That's a really great passion for music and um it sounds to me like you connect too man like with those struggles those messages those kind of um all my favorite rappers definitely tell a great story and if you can tell a great story you know man you you got me you got them you got everybody if you can just tell everybody how you live and so what's 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 it like in test for you man what do you like to do on the daily Man, I work. I do a nine-to-five. I work for my dad's plumbing and heating business. Cat's plumbing and heating. Shout out. Nice. If you need work done, give us a call. <laughs> Put some money in my wallet. Um, other than that, like, I, I, after work, I come home and I work on music, man. Like, every once in a while, I won't work on music and I'll, like, paint or something like that because I'm also a graph artist and just a visual artist in general but sometimes I'll do that but it's nowhere near as heavy as the music like I probably work on music at least like 30 to 40 hours a week and I work probably like 20 to 30 hours a week for my dad so like it's it's people are like how do you do that but coming home and working on music that's it's so fun. Like, I'm so addicted to it. And I have been for so long. And, like, it doesn't matter if I ever get big or don't. Like, I don't care. Like, for me, it's just, it's kind of like my therapy. And it's cool to be able to travel with it and take it to other places and see how people react to it. I, It's fun. Uh, Taos, for me, is kind of hard. <laughs> because I can't just play music for a living near my last end of stay in Oregon like that's what I was doing Hmm. and it was hard to walk away from but I really wanted to come have some quiet time you know in the mountains and I was like I'm gonna go there for two years and then I'm gonna move back to a city (laughs) and five years later I'm still here like Taos will get you man especially if you're from here it'll get you because the it's so beautiful here and quiet especially if you've been in cities a lot like, when I first came back, I had trouble sleeping because it was so quiet. Because there wasn't, like, sirens and cars and all kinds of crazy shit going on all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, definitely slow down here in Taos. It's a little bubble. So. It's a it's a great place to create. As an artist, it's a great place to create, like, musically. But 
not really a great place to like survive off your art. Maybe if you're like a painter or a jeweler, like Taos is probably an amazing place in that point, but I, I don't know because I don't really sell my visual stuff. I got some stuff at Vagrant Heart, some like spray cans and stuff. And you can buy my last album there, Ruckus's Music Box. But you're talking about discography, man. <laughs> That's crazy. So when I was in the band in Minneapolis, I put out an album called Cavity. And it was just like this bootleg, very unprofessional album. Like it had those like sticker labels on it. And I just printed like the front sheet. It was like a black and white front sheet with this circle with two turntables for eyes. And then like, I don't know what I used for the teeth. They were like broken teeth and it was called cavity. And there was probably like one good song on like that 12 track album. <laughs> <laughs> like, but they they were good for, I think for my level of progression where I was producing and writing and rapping and singing. So it's cool. You know, there's building blocks. That was the first one. And if you can find that, I will pay you good money for it because I'd like to hear it because I don't have it. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue where it is. Um, then shortly after that, I think it was 2007 when our band toured down, it was that Santa Fe Music Fest. I don't know if you remember that with Public Enemy and Wu-Tang and Everclear and Dark Star Orchestra and Funkadelic, but we got to play that festival. That was fucking awesome. Wow. But I released an album then called Penmanship Practice. And I remember that because I was walking around the studio, just get around the event, just walking around, handing them to people, like giving them away. Like I had a big old stack by the time I was gone. I was like, there's a lot of free shit out there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like, I, I might have a couple of those songs, but like the whole album, no way. And then let's see what came after that. There was a big break between there because my band started getting really big. So I was, I wasn't focusing on hip hop as much as I was the band. Um, I would say my band's album came out after that, which was, uh, I think it was just, uh, Quixotic was what the late, what the band, what the album was called. And then after we split up, I put out Tortellini Pillow, which I released here, but I was still kind of in Oregon. I was just here for a couple months. That's when I met Potency. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, We had a crazy night at my dad's place, partied it up like crazy. That was the first <laughs> night I met them. We were just all beatboxing and rapping. <laughs> and my dad had this old vintage fridge, this big red fridge. And he would just stock it with beer. Like, and he didn't even drink beer. He was just <laughs> stocking it with beer for me. Like, I didn't even ask him for beer. But he was just like, I got to keep it full. Like, my dad is one of the most generous people. If, <laughs> if you know him, Don Larson. My dad's crazy. And he's an awesome dude. But anyway, he had this fridge. And he would keep stocking it. So I was like, yeah, come over, guys. Like... My dad said we could party. He was going to be gone tonight. So they all came over and like we were hot tubbing and drinking. And like we went through so we killed that whole fridge. It was full of beer, like jam packed. And then like four or five fifths. And this was like between like <laughs> 10 people or something. It was crazy, man. And 
that was the first time I met Potency, and since then we like we've just clicked and worked on music and played shows together. <laughs> it's funny, but that was the story of that, and that was during my Tortellini Pillow release, which I did at what was Shadows mm. at the time, and that was pretty cool. Um, after that, I went back to Oregon for a while, and I came back, and I released Two Twenty Two, which was a double disc album. And that did really good. That that kind of like jump started my hip hop career after the band split up because I did a song with the Naturalist called Words We Say, and this was the first time I worked with him. And after that blew up, like it was number one on SoundCloud for like two weeks or something like that in the hip hop. And uh, after that, I was like, let's keep working together, you know. And, like, later on, we found out we have the same birthday and, like, <laughs> we, we're just, like, the same dude. It's crazy. Like, besides different cultural upbringings, like, we're so much alike. It's insane. So <laughs> we started a group, Natural Larceny. And, uh, but anyway, at that time, that's, that's kind of what, like, shot 222 off. So mm. that was cool. So I got some good income out of that to reinvest into my music and stuff, get some instruments and whatnot. And then uh, after that was Thought Locker, which I'm not sure. I think I might have done a small tour on that to California and back. I'm pretty sure that was Thought Locker. And after Thought Locker was uh, 333, which was a triple disc album. And I put that out. I think three Novembers ago, like right before I went on tour with Potency up to the Northwest and back down here. That was a crazy tour, fun. I know they're editing video for it right now, so there's going to be a DVD for it coming out. <laughs> um, After 3.33 was Bittersweet, which which is a really good album. And I didn't really, I didn't really push that one. I just kind of like put it out there and didn't really promote it as much as I probably should have, but I just kind of threw it out there. And I really liked that album. And the last one was Rucko's Music Box last year, which which this last weekend I just won an award for in Colorado, which was cool. Me and Naturalist went up to Pueblo. We had life with us. And it was pretty cool for like an underground independent artist's award for the Southwest. It was cool. I felt... I felt like it was the first time that the Southwest was actually embracing me as an artist because I was definitely established in the Midwest and the Northwest. And like coming down here, it was like hard again to just start from nothing, you know, especially the place you're from. And everyone's like, who's this guy? You know what I mean? So that that was that took a while. Thank God Potency was here because they helped me get into this scene a lot faster than I would have if they weren't here you know what i mean mm -hmm. they so they definitely have a lot to do with my success in northern new mexico for sure and out on the road i've gone on two or three tours with them since i've been back to taos so shout out to fate and oso negro for organizing a lot of that stuff nice that's pretty damn good man that's um and that's been over with like 10 since 2007 you said yeah. so that's 11 years that's pretty I good i have one coming out this spring called fresh air 
Man, that's exciting. It's so cool to see that development and hear about uh, how long it takes, how many tours you got to go on, how many albums you got to put out. And it's just the start. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm just starting. And, like, in some ways, like, because my band was doing really well in everywhere we were going, and we were really, like, about to, like, just, just blow, you know? Like, because we, we were, like, right about to start recording an album that we had been working on for years bef- after the la- the first album we released, like actual professional album. And man, the songs on there, I I regret never recording them. Like it was, it was just like so much time and effort into those songs that just kind of went poof, you know? Mm. Like, and they have kind of recordings of them, but I don't, I might have like bits and pieces of the lyrics. Like I don't, it's, it's crazy how much of that just got lost in the wind after we split up because I'm sure those guys would be down to record that. You know what I mean? Just so they have it for themselves. Cause it's something we put a lot of time and energy into, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot. I can tell you're passionate about it. That's pretty cool. Um, and so what about your graph? Do you try to, are you trying to take that to another level and, you know, or always, is that just always, but not like, I don't think com- like professionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I got really good with a can again, I could probably start doing murals and stuff. Cause I'm, I don't know. Like I love a can, like airbrushes are nice. But they take a lot longer than cans do, and I'm just, I, I'd i have to be painting a lot to get where I was. You know what I mean? It's not like riding a bike at all. Like, can is crazy. But painting and art stuff, I u- really do it for myself. It's cool that Vagrant Heart's there. Like, I might try to get some pieces in. Like I said, I have some cans there, and... I'm working on some pieces right now. I've been thinking about building a graph wall so I could just paint and take like high def photos of my pieces and then, and it, they'll be movable if I want to, you know what I mean? And I've thought about doing that just because I miss it, man. There's, there's something about painting with aerosol that is just gets me going, man. (laughs) There's something Zen about it. I don't Various in can control, like if you got good can control and know what you're doing with the right paints and the right caps, there's like the possibilities are endless. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that you uh, you have a nine to five, but you you spend a lot more time on your music, and that's what you really want to go mainstream with. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Yeah, for sure. It, I feel like that's what I've harnessed, or what I enjoy doing most is probably producing music the instrumentals and like i love writing and rapping i love it man but even if i could just be a producer and live comfortably off that that would be cherry cherry like with all this uh promoting it's like sounds like you got a lot of you know multifaceted uh hustle going here and it's all supporting the music so i you know, like it a lot. It's definitely going somewhere. It's going to snowball. The more you do it, the more better you'll get. And then the social media tip is going to be the next uh, hustle. Have you heard of Gary Vaynerchuk? Mm-hmm. Gary V? He's a boss, dude. He tells you all about how to 
leverage all platforms of advertising and marketing. And that's exactly for me written down. It's right here. We've got it on the podcast already. But Gary Vaynerchuk, man, Gary V, dude, he's got books, he's got podcasts, he's got YouTube channel, he's got Instagram, um, Gary V, G A R Y V E E. Um, shout out to Gary V. I'm gonna be on a show one day. He lit a fire under. I started this podcast, and that's cool. You know, um, it's just one of the prongs of like my business, which is the you know body care company. And I'm excited about all that because I can see that's exactly what anybody who's passionate about you know their work is doing is going at it from all these different angles. So I think that's gonna be cool. But um, now to switch gears, man. Just what about uh, tell me about you know what you like to do in Taos when you're not making your music or working, do you get a chance to get out or is that, I that's like going fun? bowling at gutters. Yeah. Shout out <laughs> I to love gutters. bowling. Like if, if I could bring myself to not be lazy, I'd go there more often. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's something that I got really into when I was in, in Minnesota, like, cause it was so cold out there. So like the band, we just go, we just go bowling, you know, and there was this, there was many bowling alleys because it was a popular thing in Minnesota. Minnesota is very like American made and like bowling is very Minnesota. I don't, it's probably because it's cold out there and it's an indoor sport, you know, <laughs> so, um, so we got into it because there was bowling alleys that would, would have free, free nights if you had your own shoes and ball. And most of us had our own shoes and balls at that time because, we went so much that it was getting expensive. And uh, so we just got caught in it. And I hadn't bowled for years, but when gutters opened, I went a few times. And I've been a few times since, but that's one of the things. Um, I love fishing, man. Like, I fish all over Taos. Like, I have fucking secret spots that I go to in the areas from, like, here to Colorado. This summer, like, I was hitting Colorado up more because there was more water up there than down here but uh so i so me and my girl actually took a camping trip up there just so we can get away and just so i could fish in water (laughs) because it was it was bad here in taos this year it's kind of discouraging for fishing but i still fished here i probably i probably went like 20 times this summer and i usually go like 50 or 60 times. <laughs> like, I love fishing. Nice. And I don't, I don't, I really don't keep them that much. I'm mostly a release guy. If I know that, like, if I'm going with a group of buddies and they're like, let's do a fish fry or something, I'll keep them. But I won't keep them unless they're like at least like 20 inches or something like that. But not too much bigger after that either. Cause I don't know. I just, I love trout. And that's, once they start getting really big, it's kind of, hard to deal with like <laughs> they're not good pan size i guess you could bake them when they're that big but i love fishing just being at the river too like we me and my girl have been rafting a lot just kayaking down the rio grande traveling getting out of taos is nice even if it's just to like albuquerque or colorado or whatever but yeah i don't i really music man this this kind of takes up most of my time well, that's pretty good. I think that's what it's about is doing what makes you happy. It makes you feel fulfilled. And like I said, therapy, something where you can find some therapy through the music. I think that's cool, man. Other than that, it's hanging out with friends, you know. Being naturalists have definitely become really good friends. So 
we'll have like dinner over here with him and his fiance D just cooking food and having good time with family playing board games that's pretty much my house lifestyle <laughs> yeah dude that's a good one the creative lifestyle that's your own pace but when you got to hustle man definitely got to hustle 10 times harder in this uh, oh, yeah, sluggish sure. environment so that's really cool i respect that hustle man um, so tell me maybe just about what about what are some foods that you like to chow down on man oh man man everything man i love food <laughs> i i love cheese i love how about just where do you like okay. to go where do you like to go to t- in town in taos man <laughs> i love the guad of course the guad's bomb Love apples really good if you can afford it. <laughs> Cash only. I like Lionel's. They have bomb breakfast burritos. Like I go there and get breakfast burritos. When I'm at work, I'll eat at El Tauceno. Are you a red or Rancho's green? Rancho's Plaza Grill. Both, but more green than red. More green. Yeah. Nice. My girls are red for sure. They say red's the mature chili. Oh, really? Green's oh. for the... For the, the youngsters. The youngsters and the well, people who can handle spice, who want the spice going in there. And that's, that's what's up. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I'm definitely young at heart, so. <laughs> Take that extra hot hatch. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, when I was younger, I could go hard with spice and now my stomach's. It just doesn't do well with it, you know. Dude. But I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> take down chili, like like no other but if it's crazy hot i wouldn't even mess with it <laughs> nice dude. not even worth it man i went to the fiery food fest oh and at a, i forgot where it was was it a buffalo thunder i think that's Sandia? Where... i'm not sh- okay Sa- i'm not sure where it was but i went with life and flow fader and my girlfriend and flo's wife who is shell who's aj's sister mm-hmm. and we went there and we just walked around and we're eating spice all day, all day, all day. And like, that's all it was, was like spice taste. That's all it was, like all day. And uh, I got mad spices from that. I probably got spent like 250 bucks on like sauces. <laughs> like, and like, I don't know, like I got one for my cousin. Do you know, I don't know if you know my cousin, Carlos Abeta. He used to be a bartender here. Yeah, I think I do and, know uh, Carlos. Yeah. He, uh, he's like a spice dude. He loves spicy stuff. So I got him, I got him this much. <laughs> he hasn't visited yet. I got him Oh, dude, that's some black label regret. It's got three chilies on it. It's all black label. So, Dude. so here's the story about that. That looks deadly. So after all day, looks prescription strength. <laughs> after all day of uh, tasting spices, this was the last spice I tasted. <laughs> 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 Let's just say that much. So like, the these guys are from like the UK, and they're like we people in the US like that spice right away we like it to hit you after like 10 minutes after and like I was like okay so like I took like a little drip of this and like two or three minutes in I was like woo it's getting hot I was like okay that was that was pretty bad like I thought I got over it and then like 15 minutes later my stomach was just like nope (laughs) so I had to run to the bathroom and puke it out and then I was fine I was just chugging water after but I got him this because he loves spicy 
hot sauce. So I'm going to give him that for Christmas or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. I'm sure they'll like it, dude. It looks deadly. It has a childproof lid and everything. Long, it's got good flavor, too. Like, that's the thing is, like, I won't eat something just because it's spicy. It yeah. has to at least taste good. Like, there's got to be some sort of silver lining. Otherwise, it's like, no. Oh. I remember we, uh, I forget where we were on tour. I want to say we were in California somewhere. And we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and listened. And <laughs> and Mance, they had... Uh, oh. They did the challenge with the ghost pepper wings, both of them. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I, I was like, I'm not doing it, man. I'm on tour. Like, I'm already eating shitty food and my stomach already doesn't feel cool. Like, But these guys are just like, you know those guys. Like, yeah, they're they go ham. goons, man. They go they, ham, they're goons. So, uh, so like... Into it, like, halfway into it. I don't remember, like, how many of each they... I think they both eat, like, ate, like, around half or something. I'm, I don't really remember exactly. But it was, like, 12 wings, I want to say. And, like, Bran was just, like, holding it down. But it was... It, you could tell that they were suffering. And BZ just went outside. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> and, like, I think he... I don't know what he was doing out there, but he was hurting. And, like, so Brad went out there shortly after, and I forget who went out there. I think it was, like, Echo in there, and he's, like, man, they're, like, holding each other out there. (laughs) He's, like, holding BZ on his shoulder. (laughs) Like, they're, like, in pain. So they keep the leftover wings and decide to, like, snack on them for, like, the next couple days. But the next morning, (laughs) the next day, we were playing basketball on this, like, rooftop court at... I think it was Fate's cousin's place that we were staying at, where they stayed at, and uh, <laughs> just like in the middle of just playing, BZ just lost it. Like he had to run to the corner and like puke in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but like food, man, like those guys are torturing themselves out there. Dude, being on the roads like that too, like yeah, you hardly life. ever get good meals. You hardly ever. You're eating fast food and like sandwiches from the cooler or whatever you know it's not to get a home-cooked meal on tours like a godsend <laughs> i can imagine yeah buying out it happens though it's like, expensive it, it you happens. can't be doing that no yeah it's it's rough mm-hmm. <laughs> dude that's funny man there's some good stories dude um i was so now i wanted to know like you got any uh shout outs or you got any um any stuff to say to any everybody, your audience? Any reminders? Come out to that show. It's going to be insane on Halloween. It's going to be a thing to do in Taos for sure. The caliber of artists that are playing, you don't get it a lot in Taos. And it's a big group of them. So, so yeah, come out. Come out. And that's October 31st at the Taos Mesa Brewery um, at the Mothership. Come out and check it out. Yeah, check out Vagrant Heart too. Like support support those outlets, especially if you got kids. Take them over there, man. Inspire them. Like there's there's a lot more in Taos if you actually reach out to the people who are reaching out to you. So check out Vagrant. They're definitely a great, great, great thing for the community. They're over by uh across from the middle school. So check them out. There, where pieces too used to be. So, 
Nice. That sounds good. Yeah, it's up by up to, uh, towards the um, family youth center and all that. Yeah. Right, right past KFC on the opposite side of the road. Um, on Canyon, Canyon Road. All right, everybody, we did it. Right on, Nate. I'm gonna. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to do part two of this because I'm gonna have to know all about. Um, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners what it's like to make an album, the process, what it's like going on tour. Some of the funniest yeah. times. I'm down, man. Because, dude, this podcast is going um, <clears> to <throat> keep getting re- the same guests repeat. Because, man, as you grow, as the scene grows in Taos, I, I'm sure our listeners want to know what's happening to yeah. it. I listen to my friends in Portland that I used to hang out with. Uh, Zebulon Dak, who's an engineer out there in Portland. He was one of the big guys for Camel Bear. I'm not sure what he's running under now, but he's dope. Um and Abaddon, who's a who's a rapper out there that I used to live with, and Chase Burton, who's the drummer for the Chicharrones, who's sleeping Josh Martinez, but they have a they have a podcast called Triple B, and those guys are hilarious, man. Like I miss hanging out with them. I'll have to show you some of their stuff, but yeah, man, <laughs> thanks for having me on. I'll, I'm definitely down to do another sesh. All right, we'll have it. We'll have it soon enough. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good night. <laughs>